Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Happy Sunday, everyone. It's great to be able to share with you all today. Um, before we start, I wanted to say a big thank you to our church. Thank you for investing in our young people. Because of your generosity and your prayers, we are able to send 55 people to camp, and we felt your prayers. God moved in a spectacular way, and we had so much fun, and we can't, share to, we can't wait to share the amazing testimonies that we had at camp this week. Citizen Youth Takeover Sunday is next Sunday, and we'll have a lot of amazing stories for you guys to see. Um, and as you can see, we're back. We're back from camp, and we are ready to go. Um, so we're going to read the Bible today because it is the Word of God. Every word is inspired by God, and it's the truth. You're not here today for my opinion or my truth or anyone else's opinion. You're here today for God's word and God's truth because it never fails. Our opinions change. God's doesn't. God's opinion for you is good. And we're going to read and jump into God's word because God is up to something today. I truly believe that you're here for a reason. You're listening for a reason. God is going to speak to you today because God is up to something in you. So we're going to jump into Genesis, the well-known story of Adam and Eve, the first man and woman created. They started off life in the Garden of Eden, paradise on earth. They had everything they needed. God gave them everything they needed, but then they were confronted by the enemy, by the devil, and he tried to destroy everything. So we jump into chapter 3 and verse 1 of Genesis. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may not eat from the fruit in the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4 says, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she, said, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden on the cool of day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, the man answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you that? The title of my message today is, Who told you that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word that never fails. I pray right now that you give us hearts ready to receive, open to receive what you want to speak to us today. Help me to communicate your thoughts and, and your truth, Father God, and help us to leave after this changed by you, impacted by your word and who you are and your amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A lot of you know that I'm a youth pastor at the church, but I also work as a technical director for the church. And so it's my privilege to work with all of our screens, our audio, our cameras, our lights, whatever it is technology-wise, 
I'm usually familiar with it and I work with that technology and so it's my job to be familiar with it and to learn the nuances and we all know with technology the most, frustra the most frustrating thing is when it doesn't work. You know like when you get home and you're, um, and you're after a long day of work and you're just ready to relax and watch your favorite Netflix show and, and then you put it on, you hit play but then the, the loading circle just keeps going and going and going and it doesn't play. Oh man, it's so frustrating because then you have to get up and you have to try to fix it. Or like when you're on your phone and you click on the app and it opens for a second and then it closes immediately because something's going wrong with your technology. The most frustrating thing about technology is that it doesn't work when we want it to work. And so part of my job at our church is to fix that technology when it doesn't work. So what I do is, is, is called troubleshooting. Um, so I try to troubleshoot to find the problem. And the goal of mine is to find the source. For example, I have this microphone here. We use it in our auditorium on Sundays and we use it for our speakers and our singers. And, and the goal of this microphone is to project the voice to the room through our speakers so we can all hear it clearly, uh, clear and, and just right message, right? And so this is, this microphone, if I were trying to fix a microphone that wasn't working properly, I would consider all of the factors that allow it to work, that, that connect, the connected parts that are making it work the way we want it to work. And so I know about this battery, that it has batteries inside, that it has um, batteries that power this microphone to allow it to send a signal. So when you speak into this end, out of this end, there's a, a radio frequency that connects to antennas. So uh, a frequency that connects to antennas that connects to a receiver. And that receiver then computes and, and, and takes a, that, that the things that are being spoken to it through a cable to the soundboard that controls the volume up or down, can make voices are, are adjusted with EQs. You can make it sound deeper and manlier, which is impossible for me because I already am the manliest sound that you've ever heard. I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, but uh, so the, the soundboard then is connected to speakers and those speakers then have the output of our sound. And so if I were trying to figure out why this wasn't working, I would look at each of those components until I found the source because it's not, if it's not working, it's not connected. And sometimes we have a disconnect with God. We can't hear his voice. We're ashamed to be in his presence. We've distanced ourselves because of shame, because of guilt, because we've just missed too many Sundays, or we haven't read our Bible enough, or we haven't prayed enough, so we feel like we've disconnected from God. In the story we read today, we find the source of many of our disconnect. It's sin many of our lives' issues. The source is sin. See, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, committed the first sin. They gave into temptation. They disobeyed and they betrayed God. And then they paid a price, death. They could have lived forever, but then sin came in and they went against God and they paid the penalty. We have a sin nature. We're born with it and we can look at the word of God to fight it. First, we have to identify the enemy's schemes and tactics. I'm a sports fan and, and I know that when I see athletes, the best athletes are studying their opponents. They're studying the patterns of their opponents. They're studying the, the, the way the opponent wants to work because then they wanna force them to do something different. They wanna learn how they can combat their game plan so they could set their own game plan. So I wanna today break down the enemy's game plan. So let's look at that game plan. The first number one thing is the devil distorts the truth. 
We saw in our story, the devil knows the truth. He knows the word of God. He even tried to use that same word against Jesus, our God. He even tried to use that word to manipulate God. So he tries to distort the truth. And we see in our story of Adam and Eve that Eve distorted the truth. She added part of the word. She said, she said that God said that she couldn't touch the fruit. And that was never spoken. That was never said by God. The, the word of God was distorted. The verse says, did God really say you must not eat of any of the tree of the garden, any of the tree, any of the fruit from the tree of the garden? And the woman said, we may eat the fruit of the tree, but you may not touch it. See, she, the word of God was distorted. The devil wants to distort the truth. He wants to uh, adjust the truth a little bit. He's a sneaky devil. And just one time, he'll, he'll, he'll speak these lies to us and he'll say, just one time won't hurt. Just a little bit. Nobody will notice. Just a little offline, or, or when you do it once or twice, it's okay, sin's okay. Like, nobody's going to find out. You'll be able to go back later on. He'll have you just take one step off alignment. Because we're all on this journey with God. We're all on this path to God and to draw closer to God. That's what God has for us. He wants a relationship with us. And so we're on this path in our journey, and if, if the devil can give us a little bit off the path, he knows that eventually we keep walking that path, we'll get further and further from God. The devil wants to distort the truth. Number two is the devil is a liar and he's a manipulator. So Eve ate the fruit and she paid the price. She wasn't supposed to die. She was walking with God. Again, she had everything she needed and she was walking with God. She was in a relationship with God, but the devil lied and he said that she wouldn't die. And we know that she would. She would. We know that the penalty was. See, the devil is, uh, he's always going to be lying about what God is. He wants, us to, he wants us to think that God is holding something back from us. That God doesn't want the best for us. Can I tell you that God has the best for you? The devil wants to bring you to a place of, of, of sin and then shame. Because he knows that if we're not believing God's truth, that we'll find ourselves in a place of shame. That's number three. The devil wants to bring you to shame. The devil wants to distance you from God. In verse 10, it says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid and I was naked, so I hid. That was Adam saying that. He was ashamed and so he hid. See, God created Adam and Eve the way they were, perfect in the garden. He created them as he wanted them, in communion with him, in a relationship with him, there was no shame, but then there was, and so they hid because of sin. They went from walking with God in the garden to hiding from him. The, the devil wants to hold you down in that place. He wants to hold you down in shame and keep you there instead of pursuing God. So we see these, these schemes and these tactics and this game plan by the enemy, but it's more important to see what is God's role in this story. What is God's response to the first sin? What is his response to all sin? See, the, the, the Bible speaks about the principle of first. When you see something in the Bible for the first time, there's uh, an elevated importance, an, an elevated value in this moment. John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. There's an importance to this first sin, this first moment, and God's response to this moment, this first sin. 
And I want to talk about three things. Number one in God's response is God gave Adam and everything, everything they needed. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. That's what the Bible says. You have everything you need for life and godliness. See, the, the, the garden was there. The, the, the paradise was there for Adam and Eve. They had the food. They had the relationship. They had the life that God had for them. They had everything they needed. And God has given us everything we need. It may not always look that way, but we have to look and trust that God's path is the right path. Sometimes we have to be patient to believe that what God has for us is going to be fulfilled. God has given us everything we need. Number two, in God's game plan and in God's response to the enemy's game plan is God pursues them. God pursues us. So we, we look back into the story of Adam and Eve and, and verse nine it says, but the Lord looked out and he said to the man, where are you? Come on, God is an all-knowing God. He knew where they were. It wasn't a question to find the answer. He knew where they were, but he wanted them to know that he was pursuing them. Can I tell you that God is calling out to us today? He's always pursuing you. He's always going after you, and it's up to us to respond. How will we respond to the call of God on our lives? Because he's pursuing us. God is going after us, and this is the story of the Bible is God's consistent pursuit to be in relationship with us. And number three of God's response is God covers us. He covers Adam and Eve in this story. It says in verse 21 of, of, of the same uh, story, it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. See, God didn't bring this shame. God didn't create the shame. He created them perfect. He, cre he created them to, uh, perfect in his image, it says. And then Adam and Eve felt so much shame and, he, he, and God saw this hurt, and so he covered the shame that he didn't even create. Come on, God is covering us with his love. He's consistently covering us with his love. And what I love about this verse is at the beginning it says, the Lord God. It says, the Lord God covered them with the cloth. And what's special about that is that if we read the Bible from the beginning in Genesis, the word God is, is, is commonly used. Right? It says God created the, the universe, the, the night and the day. He created the seas and the land. He created the stars. This amazing, all-powerful God did that. And when you read this verse, it says the Lord God. Um, so so there's, there's this word God that's used all the way through creation. And then when he creates man, it says the Lord God created Adam. So it, sh it shifted from God to Lord God. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because when we see Lord God, it's often in relationship, in relation to God's relationship to us. And when we translate these words, the word God is Elohim. And it speaks to the all-powerful God. That's the Hebrew word. It, it speaks to the all-powerful God that creates the universe, that has no limits, that can do all things. But then he created man, and it says Lord God. And the word Lord translates to Yahweh. And Yahweh speaks to the relational God. It speaks to the intimate God. It speaks to the God that wants to be with you. It's all one God, but it's, it's Yahweh and Elohim. So when we read this, that the Lord God was covering us, was covering Adam and Eve, it speaks to the all-powerful God that might feel distant, but wait, he's Yahweh who's ever close, who cares about every need, who knows you more than anyone else. So the all-powerful God wants to be close to you. 
The all-powerful God is not a distant God, but he is the Yahweh God who wants to be with you. He wants to know you. That is the Lord God. And that's the Lord God covers us. Come on, the Lord God is covering us today. We know that it's the all-powerful God, but it's also the God that's in you, that wants to be with you, that pursues relationship with you. And so when I read this story, as we, as we talk about Adam and Eve and the story of the fall and the garden, one question comes to mind, one challenging question comes to mind, is why is the tree in the garden? Like, couldn't have this all been avoided if we just didn't have a tree in the garden? If we just took that tree out, then there couldn't have been this first sin. Then there couldn't have been this distance from God. Why is the tree in the garden? Why didn't God just not put the tree there? Why did he even give him this option? It was because of love. So I have two beautiful daughters, and um, I, I love them. One of them went to camp with us, and she did a great job. And my older daughter, she stayed home, and I was so excited to get home and give her a big hug. Um, and Eliana is my oldest daughter. She's two, and, uh, sometime, uh, and sometimes when she gets ouchies, and this is what she calls it when she like bumps her head or she falls or she scrapes herself, and she gets ouchies, uh, she comes to me, and she'll point out her ouchies. She'll like say, Daddy, ouchies, Daddy, ouchies. Um, and, she's at, and so I'll then ask her, like, oh, baby, are you okay? And she says, uh, she says ouchies. She, she points to her ouchies and I ask her, do you, want, do you want daddy to kiss your ouchies? And she says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she'll hold up her ouchies, and I'll give her a big kiss. And, and, and then I ask her, does that feel better? And she says, mm-hmm, it feels better, it feels better. Well, she doesn't say that. She just said yes. But she loves it when I kiss, kiss her ouchies. And I love it, too. I love it when she comes to me for a, a hug after, or after anything, after she's, she feels scared. I love to be there for her. I love to kiss her ouchies. And I love it because when I kiss her ouchies, it always works because I have magical lips. My lips are spectacular. I have healed so many different things with these very lips. It's truly a miracle. And my wife is obviously very lucky. I have these magical lips. Okay, obviously I'm kidding. But I love it when my daughter comes to me for those moments. I love it when she comes to me when she's hurting. I love it when she comes to me when she's scared. And I love to be there for her because I love her. Because I love her. I would do anything for my daughter. I would do anything to make her feel safe. I would do anything to make sure that she knows that she is loved. Why is this tree in the garden? Because of love. Because love is a choice. If it wasn't a choice, it wouldn't be love. See, the story would be completely different with Eliana if she came up to me and she pointed out her ouchies and I just ignored her. If I just looked the other way and, and didn't listen to her and then, and then my wife comes in and, and she, she holds a gun to my head and says, you kiss her ouchies and you use your magical lips and you make her feel better. That would be a different story because it would no longer be a choice. Love is a choice. Love is a decision that we are making and it's a, a decision that we're not, we're not making alone. We're making it, but God is also making that decision. See, the tree is there because Adam and Eve had to choose him. God didn't force it. He could have. He's the all-powerful God. He's Elohim. But he allowed Adam and Eve to choose. And that choice goes both ways. What's incredible about God is so many things. And one of the things is he, didn't, he doesn't need us, but he wants us so bad. And he always has. From the beginning, from this story thousands of years ago, God has always wanted us. God has always chosen us. From that day when Adam and Eve said God had another response. 
He chose to love you. So he created his promise. In the next chapter, in verse 21, chapter 4 of Genesis, it says, this is God to the devil. He says, I will, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That offspring is going to crush you, is what he said. And that's the promise of Jesus. That promise was fulfilled when Jesus came. When Jesus came and he lived this perfect life, and he laid his life down for our sins. See, God already made his decision. And God's permanent stance towards you is love. And he wants us so bad that he made this choice, the ultimate choice to lay his life down for you and for me. So in all of this sin and all of this failure that we might have experienced, all of this anxiety that might weigh us down, this depression that tries to define us, there's this hope and his name is Jesus. Jesus was the price paid. He died for us and he made a way. And sin divides us and, and tries to separate us from God, but Jesus makes a way for us to draw closer. In John 10, in verse 7, it says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through will be saved. They will come and go freely. Come on, there's freedom in him. They will come and go freely, freely and they will find good pastures. There's rest in him. In verse 10, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. We just talked about that. But my purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give us life, a satisfying life and a rich life. Jesus is the gate out of our brokenness. Jesus is the gate into your destiny. He's the path to your destiny. Jesus is the way to your purpose. He is our hope. And some of us may feel like we're just too far gone and, and the gate is closed for us. The gate's there, but it's, it's closed because I've failed too many times and, and, I've, and, I've, and I've just done things that I regret and that I know I shouldn't have done and, and I'm just too far gone. I've messed up too many times. The gate is probably closed. No, the gate is open. Jesus is the gate and the gate isn't locked. Jesus is the gate and he's standing there and the gate's open. And Jesus says that I am the path, I am the path to your purpose. I am the path to forgiveness. I am the way to relationship. I'm the path to healing, the path to identity, the path to fullness and to fulfillment in him. God is the way to true freedom. Jesus is the way to peace, and he is the way to our joy. Come on, we can find those things in him, and we can be confident and bold because Jesus made a way. Jesus is the gate, and the gate isn't locked because he unlocked it. Admission is free. He paid the price. Jesus earned access for you and for me to this relationship with God. You can't work your way in. We can't pay the price on our own but it's already paid. And the path leads us to relationship with God because he is the source of all those things we talked about. He is the source of joy. He's the source of peace. He's a source of love and hope and identity and healing and fullness and fulfillment. Jesus is a source, but we have a choice. It's our decision to walk through that gate. It's our decision to say yes to Jesus and to his promises to say yes to a relationship with him. And I wanna give an opportunity right now for you to say yes to Jesus. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, close your eyes and pray with me and repeat the words that I'm saying. Repeat this prayer. Jesus, 
I thank you for your love. I thank you that you lived for me and that you died for me. Today, I give you my life. I'm all yours. I'm saved by grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.